Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Good evening and welcome to the one, the only Hog Talk podcast, live from the Sterling Soap and Roastery Studios, part of the Believe and Buzz radio network. So on 106.7 in Central Arkansas, all live shows are presented to you by Arkansas Brewing Company in downtown Ozark. I am Porter Hayes, and alongside me, as always, is Adam Hall, and we are brought to you by Bet Online. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchups for basketball, baseball, football, and more. Bet Online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting and your favorite casino card games available to play right from your phone. Head over to the website and use your mobile device to sign up today and get on the action. Remember to use our promo code BLEAV for your 50% welcome bonus. Bet online where the game starts, and we will kick off 2024 with one of our favorite guests, Coach Mike Neighbors. Coach, um, very impressive start to the year. Um, I think a lot of people who knew the program knew what was coming with, with the talent of this roster and the depth, but I don't think even me could have predicted what we've seen out of Talia Scott and just how much of a presence she's had her freshman season and just talk about the non-conference, how things went, and then we'll go into, of course, the SEC play. Yeah. Great to see y'all. Happy to be kicking off 2024 with you. Um, You know, we put it together a 15 game schedule, a little different than last year. Last year, we kind of built it to a crescendo. You know, we kind of got it increasingly difficult as we went going into SEC play. That was a mistake looking back. Um, And the mistake was, that we didn't deal with much adversity until the very end. And then you're dealing with that adversity as you're trying to start your league. Pretty dumb on my part. Um, so we, we made a little adjustment where we, we tried to build a little confidence. Then we tried to challenge ourselves with a big six or seven game swing there. And then come out of it with a few games to hopefully learn from those moments uh, and build going into the start of SEC. So I think we did that. You know, when you look back, and, and I literally just left the kitchen table downstairs, autopsy and some of that non-conference schedule. Um, we played more top 150 teams than anybody in the country that I've found so far. And, and one of them that I want to mention, and, and it was a loss, and outside of me, you, and the two programs, now nationally Zay is starting to get some attention. But UAPB coming into this, People don't realize how talented that team was. All they see is is the name. And, and it always seems to happen like that with the women's athletics that when it comes to the basketball. There's always that team. ULM was another one. That You look at the front of the jersey, and they give you a battle. And and I think UAPB is one of them that's really catching people by storm because Zay Green's just been phenomenal. And talk about – you know what the program, the portal has done for your team, but look at what it's done for ULM and a UAPB, those teams that now they have a chance to go make a run in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, it's it's narrowed the difference between the powers and the not powers, whatever number you want to attach to it. It's five or six or whatever. You know, there, there's no difference. You know, they – well, I, I mean, we knew when we got the schedule and started playing these guys – that eventually it was going to happen. It did. And again, to a great team, but I mean, you know, Zach Green played for two SEC schools. Mayori Davenport played 
she was a top 15 player coming out of high school. Karai Beck played. All of those kids uh, played at a really high level, and Don's done an amazing job, you know, getting them collected. And then she's a, a heck of a coach, too. The thing about that game, you know, a few people picked it up, but, like, I, I don't even want to say it was just they built a great roster. They made an unbelievable adjustment at halftime. You know, Talia is sitting there torching them, and all of a sudden now they come out and trap ball screens and play the ball screens differently, and it changed the way we played. So, yeah, the transfer portal has, has narrowed the gap um, between um, the top 200 and the top and the middle 30 or 40. I think the top 25 stayed, but the, the gap between number 30 and 200 nowadays, it's just very negligible. Uh, and you saw that when we played Monroe, when we played Murray State, when we played UIC, uh, when we played Arkansas. All these guys have, have good teams now. And the gap is so narrow. And you, you have a night when maybe you don't shoot it as well or maybe you don't do this as well, and they do. And we're not the only team. Listen, we there were a number of times this year where you would look at the scoreboard page at the end of the night and go, wait a second, is, is this score right? Yeah. Did Oregon really lose to Santa Clara at home by 30? And, and you know, again, I'm, I'm saying it because it happened to us. We were one of those teams. I'm sure there were a lot of people that looked and went, holy crap, is, do they have those scores flipped? But, again, anybody that knows, I mean, Zy Green's one of the most sought-after players coming out of high school, and then when she transferred again. So, you know, I'm not sitting here telling you I'm glad we lost. I'm not. I don't ever want to lose. But I will tell you all that we, it made us better. It galvanized us. It, it taught us some adversity and brought us together. And I, uh, quite honestly, I don't think we beat Illinois. Had we not lost to uh, UAPB, we probably wouldn't have gone through the things we needed to go through. And I'm just always going to be a coach, as long as somebody lets me run their program, that I don't want to have a bunch of false sense of security at Christmas. You know, I, I want to I know what we're dealing with before we get into league play. I want to have gone through some adversity. I want to have tested – our team and our coaches and our fans uh, figure out who our fans are and who's, you know, who's just on there to get clickbait and all that stuff. But I, yeah. I want to know, I, I want to know who's really watching and paying attention. And, you know, I, I want to know the difference between guys like you and, and Ethan and Daniel and people that cover us uh, Dudley and those people that are in that grand hall that are in that locker that are in that at our practices, as opposed to people that don't ever come to an open practice. I want to know all of those things. So we're going to keep scheduling that way. It's not easy. I, you know, losing's hard in, in any time, but especially in 2023 and four. But I think our team has is, is come together because of it. And I think our confidence, I don't know where our confidence is at, but I think it's realistic. So having the 15 non-conference games, um, kind of getting ready for the conference season, you know, four. Um, uh, you got four players currently averaging double figures. Merriam's right outside at eight points a game. How, how have they accepted um, kind of the roles that they have? Because you know, any given night, somebody could come up. You know, with that double double with yeah. um, aiding somebody else. Whereas it's not just necessarily one person that's sought after to take over a game. Well, I, they've all said it at one time or another. It's it's kind of a a relief to not feel like you've got to go out and get X number of points or X number of rebounds. Now I'm going to tell you, obviously we count on sailor for 12 to 15 defensive rebounds tonight. We're going to count on Talia to go get six or seven buckets without a, an offensive play. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then I need Mac and Sam to create another 10 or 15 for each other and her, uh, and then Miriam to. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile 
and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Check the rim and get the stuff that comes our way on the given nights. Uh, and lead us in three-point percentage. You know, it's not very often your five players leading you in three-point percentage, but <clears throat> our goals are pretty clear. Um, you know, uh, Porter alluded to it at first. One of our first calls this year, I was talking about how much depth we were going to have. Mm-hmm. But because of Sasha stepping away, Jersey, you know, uh, leaving the program, uh, Emory being injured, all of a sudden that depth's gone. And, and now you're at eight and seven some nights. So we're we're playing more freshmen than anybody in the league. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Miriam's a sophomore. Keats is a sophomore. Sailor's a sophomore. If you add up that stuff, we're, we're the youngest team in the SEC by far. Uh, and most nights that we played this year in non-conference, we were facing a tremendous uh, experience deficit. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I love the fact that our roles are pretty, pretty clearly identified. I think anybody that watches us knows what we're expecting out of each kid. And I think we've shown some signs the last few games of role acceptance. I'll give you, I'm going to point a couple of them out. Say uh, Sam driving it against Illinois. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sam a couple of years ago or last year might've tried to take that shot or get fouled. Instead, she trusted Miriam. Okay. That's growth. Uh, Talia starts going on a heater against UIC in, in, in the, at there in the, in the middle of the second quarter. And again, Sam goes out of her way to seek her to try to get her another three, not not look for. I mean, she was actively hunting. Mm-hmm. Um, just and, and just Max uh, continue to do everything, guard the other team's best player, hold them down, shoot it when we need her to shoot it, make you know drives, handle our team. I, I think they're they're comfortable in their roles. I think they're they're confident in each other, and, and I do. I think it al- I think it allows them to do what they do best. Mm-hmm. We're not asking them to do something outside of what they've worked on. Well, I want to touch on that, and, and it goes back to the depth of you're at eight instead of at four or, yeah. or, or, or three, you know, like you've been in the past. You you lose one of your star players, and then you're struggling yeah. having two guards playing 38, 40 minutes. I mean, Sam and Mac, you know, exclusively, their whole career, yeah. they played 35, 40 minutes. I want to ask about the mental aspect of that with, with Sam, being cognitive and not being so tired that you can think to look for Merriam down low. You, you're not too tired to where you feel like you have to make every play. Yep. You have that depth now to feed it down low. Because when I seen the play, I mean, it was just amazing feed. And, you know, for Merriam to be able to finish, I mean, that, that right there builds confidence too moving forward. Right. It does. And, and, you know, we've tweaked our practices. We've cut back. Uh, you know, we monitor our, our practice load very closely. Uh, our strength and conditioning coach, Tyler Beckham, does he, he does an amazing job, and he tracks these things and gives me feedback and data as to how how much we're taxing these kids' bodies. And and I've pulled back in practice on Sam, on Sailor, on all those kids, which has allowed now Jenna to get more reps in practice. And Jenna's coming along faster than most post players as a freshman do. Uh, Carly Keats making the jump from Juco, Christina making the jump from Spain, a, a, an international player. Uh, so, you know, those next three kids, 
you know, and then, you know, now with Emory, you know, the uncertainty of whether she's practicing, playing, not back and forth, it's gone, it's gone a complete 180 to a 180 the other direction, but we're really hopeful we'll get her back as well. So I think we're headed toward having good quality depth and, and a very identifiable set of roles and, and the kids really accepting and valuing each other and the roles that they're in. But before the season, I had a chance to talk uh, to Sailor when you had your open media day for us. And the one thing I asked her was the biggest challenge that I seen for her was just she always wore her emotions on her sleeve. If she missed a couple of shots, it seemed like <clears throat> almost that mentality had affected her whole game. And I asked yeah. her if she was going to work on that. And now – how she's been setting, I mean, on a blaze to crush the rebound record for a single season and also being mad beforehand that she was one short of the rebound record beforehand. Just what have you seen the difference in her with her emotions and how much she's grown from last year to this year? Well, it, it was the off-season challenge for us. I, <laughs> I gave her a couple of books to read uh, that – you know, we had some fun reading together. I read along with her. We had some fun moments with that. But, but basically, you know, your brain keeps score. You know, it does. And, and if if you beat your brain up, it remembers it when you really need it. And it's like, hey, you know what? Eh, I'm not going to be there for you. So let's focus on those things that we are incredible at and stop focusing on maybe missing a layup or missing a 3.0 that you thought you should hit. Let those moments go. And, and I think she's done a remarkable job with it. Now, as a result, guess what's happening? She's shooting it better. She's passing it better. Everything goes together because your brain keeps score. Um, I, I, I've never seen a defensive rebounding non-conference like she just went through. And, and I had Chantel Osar at Washington who led the country in rebounding that year. But this was different. The, the, the people she did it against – the toughness of them, the consistency with which it's done. You know, I, I don't ever want to count on one player getting 12 defensive rebounds a night, but she's certainly capable of doing that. Yeah. You know, <laughs> if she plays 35 minutes, you know, that that may be the low end of it. Now, and I know the competition's going to get stronger and they're going to get taller and maybe two or three of those 15 that she's been getting, but I still want her looking at double digits defensive rebounding. She, she values that role. Our kids, uh, you're starting to see this. I don't know if y'all noticed it last game. There was a free throw box out, and I think Matt could have got it, the rebound, but like Sailor kind of like looked at her like, no, uh, this is mine. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah. You know, they, they do that in the NBA. You watch. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, and you know what? I'm okay with it. Like, I almost the other night. <clears throat> I was getting ready. The game was starting to get, you know, away from us. We were winning it. And I got ready to sub and Kylie goes, she has 19 rebounds. And I went, awesome. <laughs> one more is 20. I went, yeah, I'm aware of the math. <laughs> you know, one more would I get that out there. And she was just kind of, I said, listen, she's going to, I don't want to leave kids in for stats. I really don't. Uh, I got people thought I did when we had plum and I did, never did one time, but rebounding's different than points to me. I, I might should have left her in there to get that because rebounding is hard. It's an effort thing. It's one of those things too. You can do it exactly right. And the ball might not just bounce to you. You can box out, you can track the ball and the ball just goes the other way. So a uh, part of me wished I would have left her in there because 20 has got a nice round number to it, but 
you know, like you look at Kylie's release, there's, there's only one player in the history that's had four 19-plus rebound games, and Sailor's done that in the non-conference season this year. That just blows my mind. Dang. <clears throat> when it comes to the data, analytics, everything, I read on um, X or Twitter or whatever you want to call it these days from Tyler Costin, who calls you his, his mentor. Yeah. Um, he, he was talking about data-driven um, basically conversations with it coaches have with players um, and that you essentially, if your players want to come talk to you about their playing time, they need to bring the data to back it up because you're going to have yours. How open is that with your players or how, how much do they look at their own data when it comes to that? If they're going to approach anything, we call it facts and film, mm-hmm. bring me facts, bring me film. Don't come in here talking about what you can do. Talk to me about what you've done. You got, you got access to every practice. We were video. We got access to every game. Clip it. Show me what you're saying. Stop talking to me about it. Be about it. It's very open. Mm-hmm. I, I think to I think players like it after they understand it because it takes love out of the equation. Mm-hmm. I love them all the same, but that doesn't mean they're all going to get to shoot at the same or rebound at the same or have enough plays. So I, I want I think that protects people like Talia too. I mean, Talia Talia should probably honestly get more shots. Yeah, she yeah. should. <laughs> She's shooting a good percentage. Uh, and, you know, and, and so, like, if she walked in and said, Coach, I think I need a few more touches, I'm going to go. I mean, I think most people would go, huh? You let her shoot it when I do. Mm-hmm. But quite frankly, because of how many she's made in practice and how many she's made in the first 15 games, she might have an argument for a few more. Mm-hmm. So I, it, it takes the pressure off me. It takes the pressure off them. Go out and do it. Go out and prove it. Go out and earn it in practice or in games or in drills. I, there's a number of ways you can do that. And I don't know. I mean, you know, Tyler talks, me and Tyler talk about these things all the time. I mean, this is just now you can't do it or you won't do it type deal. Mm-hmm. It, it, may, it takes all the pressure off me as a coach because I can say, look at these. This is what this is performance based. I still trust my gut a lot. I don't buy into every analytic that is out there. There are some things that you do. Still kind of have, but but those are that's valuable information. I think it helps kids. It protects them in the locker room from uh, negativism. Maybe not if he's in the locker room. Just you know, I've heard people yelling at Talia to pass the ball. I wish they would shut up because they don't come to practice. <laughs> I am letting her dribble it for a reason. I'm at every practice. I watch every breakdown. Believe me, if I would like her to stop dribbling, I will take her out. But until then, until you come to practice every day and you watch how hard she – stop yelling at her to pass the ball. Well, and, and when you're leading the conference as a freshman in points per game, I mean, you, you, that goes back to that productivity. She, you know, yeah. you've you got people that are they're walking the talk, and you see that. And, and that leads my, me into the next question about the, just what do you think the driving force is with these freshmen? This is – before we started recording, this is one of the most – talented freshman classes I've ever seen. Yeah. And with, you know, full Wiley. We, I mean, my guy Tyler out in South Carolina, I've been watching her since she was a, a sophomore yeah. in high school. Juju, Talia, Michaela Williams, you know, what do you think's been the driving force behind them being able to come into the SEC Pac-12 yeah. and be so confident from the start? Two factors. One of them is 
it's where we're at in the cycle of things. Because <clears throat> what happens in women's basketball is let's let's take a kid like I'll use Juju for an example. Juju was so good at her school at a young age that the older kids quit and the younger kids quit. So it's the the people around her that stay together. Yeah. And that's the same thing. It happens in Arkansas. It's why we go through five-year cycles or three-year cycles. There's a a cycle where there's five good players and then three-year, four years in a row, there's not any SEC players. It's just because they dominate the game for so long. Now, the COVID backup is part of this deal, too. Mm -hmm. You've got a lot of kids that are super seniors, and in that grad year as part of that, they've allowed these freshmen a two-year window I will tell y'all, there's a lot of kids we passed on in 23 and 24 because of the transfer portal and how our rosters had stacked up. So this group, this group of freshmen that came in this year, they're kind of reaping the benefits of that. Um, You know, two years ago in the SEC, the all-SEC freshman team, they named eight players. There were three players on that team that didn't average more than three points a game. This year... Good luck making that team. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, you've got 10 really good players. There's going to be two players that start and probably average double figures or double rebounds that aren't going to make the all-freshman team in this league. Forget about the national teams, but uh, I think it's great for our game. We need some new blood coming in. We're getting ready to lose Caitlin Clark and a lot of great players to the draft. If Caitlin decides to leave, I'm not sure what she's doing, but, you know, potentially lose a, a lot of great players to the draft. So, I'm really excited for this group to be getting the opportunity to play at an early stage of their career and uh, go out and produce and do it consistently. And they're all doing it by putting up good percentages too. Again, I mean, it's hard for a freshman guard to come in and shoot over 40% in this league. It's hard. Mm-hmm. So the, all those kids you mentioned are all doing it, but they're not just doing it with volume. They're doing it very efficiently as well. And leading into the SEC play, of course, you know, LSU and South Carolina, there are going to be LSU and South Carolina. But, you know, you always have, those teams look at Tennessee and Rakia Jackson. I mean, it always seems like there is a player like her in the league, whether it's Ryan Howard or Leah Boston, uh, Austin when she was at Ole Miss. There's always been that type of player that's come out of the SEC and really given anyone fits. And you could tell – that is a WBA player who outside of the, you know, LSU in South Carolina does the fans need to keep an eye on and who are y'all, who do you have really circled on your calendar? Well, you better watch Mississippi state. They've got the, I think they have the third best talent in the league. And that's just not me saying that they've got five players on their individual position watch lists. Okay. I mean, that's deep. Uh, so look out for look out for those guys. Alabama is good as well. I mean, I think they're sneaky good. Florida was picked too low. We all knew it. Uh, Texas A&M is the one that I would tell everybody. Again, if all you're doing is going off last year and you're being lazy and not realizing who they brought in uh, in the transfer portal, uh, you've done yourself a disservice. But um, you know, I, I I would look for those guys to be there. Uh, you know, when it comes competitive time, like you mentioned. I do think LSU and South Carolina have kind of separated themselves. And then, you know, the next the next 12 schools, it's going to be who stays healthy, uh, who plays right, who plays good at the right times. Uh, because there, there is no – there's no 
absolute bottom, that's for sure. There's not anybody you look at and go, well, man, they're not very good because there's just not anybody like that this year in our league. And, and you know, of course, we, we can't, you know, we'll wrap it up with this. You know, just Michaela and, and just what she's meant to this program and her being able to ride off in the sunset her last year is, is the pillar. You know, her yeah. and, and, and Chelsea and Amber and Lexus, you know, it seems like she's been here 10 years, but it, it's also I remember the freshman that come in and was able to score 30, and you see that this yeah. year with Talia. Um, yeah. You know, just talk about her, what she's done for this program, and, and moving forward, what do you think she's been able to do to help those like Talia and Sam come up through and, and be able to be underneath her wing? Well, she's won, and I'm, I'm taking out the, the extra year, okay? Uh, there's no asterisks involved in when I – she won more games than any Razorback in the SEC in history. More more SEC games than anybody in history. That was in four years, not counting whatever happens this year. So she obviously legitimized our program, brought us back into competitiveness, you know, gave us two of the, the only winning seasons in the of the four winning seasons in history, got us to four postseasons, nearly got us to four straight NCAA tournaments. Um so her legacy was already set the moment she said, hey, I want to come back and take advantage of my, grad, my, my COVID year. When she said that, obviously, when we recruited Talia, we thought Mac was probably not going to be here. I mean, that's just the way it was. But when she said she wanted to come back, I said, hey, that's great. We need you. We need your leadership. But your ultimate legacy here now is going to be cemented by how you leave this place. So do you leave Sam prepared to take the reins and do you have Talia prepared to be her sidekick? Yeah. And that's going to be, and that's what she's done. She's asked me three or four times. Am I doing a good job of that coach? Am I doing the right things? And I want Mac to be more aggressive in the conference. I said it to her yesterday. I said, we need you taking four to six more shots per game in non-conference. We need that because her percentages are good too. So, uh, just like she's done everything else since she's been here, she has done what's best for the team. It all goes back. I've credited her mom and dad and her youth coaches with raising the kid right, uh, the military background that they come from. Do your job. Do your responsibilities. Live out your rank. Uh, and, you know, as long as I'm around to tell the story, she's going to be considered in that Mount Rushmore. She'll be a kid in a few years. You know, when they talk, start talking about Hall of Honor, I'm throwing her name out there. Yeah. And how, how much of it is driven by her wanting to go out and, and giving that program that, that postseason win, that NCAA tournament win, you know, how close she is to the program, what the program is meant to her. You know, how yeah. much of that's a driving force of I, I want to go out and, like she's even said, leave it better than what she, it was when she got here. And that's hard to say when you come in with – you know, Chelsea Dungy and, and Amber Ramirez, but to go yeah. out with the tournament win, you know, how much do you think that would mean to her? Well, it would mean a lot to her. To me, it's still not going to define her. Again, as long as I'm sitting here and anybody will have the conversation with me, if the COVID year had to happen, we'd have won an NCAA tournament game. And if we had to, had to play on a neutral floor, if we'd have had that game in Bud Walton Arena the year we had to play on a neutral floor, we'd have won that game too. So I'm not going to let anybody hang on her that she hasn't won an NCAA tournament. They, they would be factually right, 
but they're not contextually right. <laughs> and they won't win that argument with me. They will end up eventually going, oh, yeah, admitting it. But if she can cement it with an actual one, y'all seen Mac dance, right? Mm-hmm. When she gets a half-court shot, or Mac will deserve any dance whatsoever to get that. If that can, if she could make that happen, I would let her dance and do whatever they want to do. And oh, I might even dance uh, for her, <laughs> but she's earned it. And it, yeah. it's not going to, you know, we don't. It doesn't have to happen for her to still be in our Hall of Honor someday. But it would. It would make it a no-brainer. She wants it badly. She wa- all she does is all she cares about is winning. She doesn't care about honors. She doesn't care about stats. She doesn't care about stuff. She wants to be remembered as somebody that that, like you said, left it better than she found it, uh, and will always be remembered as a winner. So, uh, she wants to win everything. My God, we we had downstairs in my house when we got back from Christmas. We did balloon races with ping pong balls and stuff and she was wanting to win those just as badly as she is at kentucky on thursday night i promise you well coach it's always always a pleasure you coming on and joining us and can't wait to get back up to bud walton eventually and be able to to watch the team and, and close out the season and close out you know michaela's career and best of luck to you in sec all right. play all right appreciate y'all yes sir Thank have you. a good one all right well, that was Coach Mike Neighbors of the women's basketball team as they open up SEC play against Kentucky on the road. What we're going to do is we're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, we're going to talk about some New Year's resolutions, the college football playoff, and we'll finish it off with some Razorback basketball after the break. Attention DOIers and home improvement enthusiasts. Are you searching for the right tools and the supplies to tackle your next project? Look no further than Mentors Hardware Store. With locations in Ozark, Alma, and Clarksville, our vast selection of hardware and building materials is sure to have everything you need, whether you're fixing a leaky faucet or building a new deck. Most of our knowledgeable staff is always on hand to offer expert advice and guidance. And with our competitive prices and convenient online ordering, Metters Hardware Store is your one-stop shop for all your DIY needs. Visit us today and let's build something amazing together. Are you in need of legal representation? Look no further than the law offices of Robertson, Beasley, Shipley, and Robinson. As the oldest law firm in the River Valley, we have been serving our clients for over 100 years with locations in Ozark, Fort Smith, and Springfield. Our experienced team of attorneys provide expert guidance and advocacy in a wide range of legal areas, including personal injury, family law, criminal defense, and more. Trust in our hearers, history, and experience to get the results you deserve. Contact the Law Office of Robertson Beasley, Shipley, and Robinson today at 479-782-8813. That's 479-782-8813. Are you looking for a place to grab a cold drink and some delicious food? Look no further than Arkansas Brewing Company. Located at 201 South 1st Street in beautiful downtown Ozark, our establishment offers a wide selection of craft beers and tasty eats. But what sets us apart is our welcoming atmosphere and friendly staff. At Arkansas Brewing Company, you'll always feel like part of the family. So visit Destiny and Christopher Brockett and staff today and see for yourself what makes us the go-to spot for locals and visitors alike. Arkansas Brewing Company, come for the drinks and stay for the friends. Searching for premium brewery products that will take your daily routine to the next level? Look no further than Sterling Soap Company. Our handmade soaps, aftershaves, and balms are made with only the finest ingredients that give you the ultimate grooming experience. 
With a variety of scents to choose from, there's something for everyone. Plus, our products are crafted in small batches to ensure the highest level of quality. So why wait? Visit www.sterlingsoap.com or visit our retail store at 16 West Walnut Street in Paris, Arkansas. Shop our collection and discover the difference for yourself. Upgrade your grooming routine with Sterling Soap Company. And want to welcome you back to the Hog Talk Podcast again. Special thanks to Coach Neighbors for always jumping on. Uh, Adam, we've had an eventful um, couple of weeks. Uh, we, we took Christmas holiday off, New Year's holiday off, spent time with our families. And now that it's 2024, I have to say, you know, we'll start it off with the college football playoffs. And, you know, the, for being the last year of four teams, next year going to 12, you could say what you want. And I know no matter where you stand on the whole Florida State argument, it was really good to see two excellent down-to-the-wire four-quarter games in the semifinals opposed to two blowouts like we're used to seeing. Yeah, you know, I went into both games last night, you know, just watching it without a bias, watching it with no dog in the fight, just enjoying football because I think too many times – um, fans, media, everybody, all the above. There, there's too many agendas. There's too many, um, you know, whatever the case may be of you know picking apart one team, but not the, you know. Last night I just sat and enjoyed the games. Mm-hmm. You know, you can um, talk about the good things on both sides. At the same time, you can talk about the negative things that happened during the game, play wise, play call wise, referee wise, whatever. Um, and it, you know, it's nice sometimes to be able to sit back and do that with you know, taking off whatever color glasses you might have on and just watching it for what it was. They were two, you know, very intense, good games. And to start with the, you know, the Alabama-Michigan game, I mean, come down Mm -hmm. to a botched play, you know, bad snap, read, and, and, you know, but it, it was one of those games, like you're talking about an excellent game where the best team won. I mean, it's just, I mean, because... We, we know how college football goes, but it was like, we're going to do the best we can to keep you out of the end zone. It wasn't an offensive shootout where it was a one-sided game mm-hmm. as in just an offensive onslaught. And even in the Texas-Washington game, even though the score was higher, I mean, look, it come down to a defensive stop to really, mm-hmm. you know, end the game. And it's really refreshing to see that where two teams, Alabama and Michigan, that really just wanted to win that game – and Michigan should have won that game by a lot more than they did because just how they were overpowering Alabama, but they did—they seemed to get away from their run game. Mm-hmm. I think if they would have just stuck with the run game and kept pounding and, and wearing them down, it could have been a two-touchdown score game. But that's what happens. You can't let a team like Alabama stay in the game because, yeah, it didn't go their way, but teams like Alabama – will beat you if you keep on giving them the chance to sit there and knock on the door. Yeah, I wasn't really sure that, you know, Michigan had it in them there at the end to score. Um, you know, the, they had just struggled for so long, and then they got those chunk plays there on that last drive. Uh, I think that ended up being like three or four plays, 75-yard drive for the score. Um, but early on, I mean, they, they set the tone – with their defense coming in. I think Milro was sacked three times in the first quarter yeah. or something like that. I mean, it was just, they, they came out with a purpose. Um, I honestly, from the get go, I didn't see that game 
turning out the way it did. Yes, history kind of plays a little bit of a factor in that. I just kind of thought that Alabama was going to come in and have it their way. And, um, you know, there was there's difference. Um, each team has a different style of play. Some similarities, a lot of differences. And you saw, I mean, two different games. I, th- I mean, I thought with the, the Washington game and Washington-Texas, I thought that was going to be a much higher scoring game, mm-hmm. which, I mean, you were oh, still yeah. in – you know, both in the 30s, but I, th- I thought you were going to be looking at the 40s and 50s the way that game started. Yeah, and and I, I just my, the way I, th- you know, my prediction of it, I think Washington's going to win because mm-hmm. I don't think Michigan. I mean, you, you look at it. You look. We're talking about Alabama for a second, and you didn't have the typical Alabama quarterback. You don't have any go-to wide receiver. Your running back is not the running back, a typical mm-hmm. Alabama program running back, and they still made the college football playoff. They still were one play away from getting to the national championship. Mm-hmm. Now, I know you play the game, and it's going to be a different game, but just watching Washington and how they just ran up and down the field and – I know a lot of people, you know, Jaden Daniels and won the Heisman, but I think the Heisman Trophy needs to be decided after the season. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, I made a point to a buddy of mine, you know, not saying that Jaden Daniels wasn't deserving, but there was a lot of people who, you know, it was, it, it was Jaden Daniels and then Caleb Williams. You know, Caleb Williams was getting a lot of that Pac-12 hype Michael was just sitting there kind of in the background. Then we seen kind of how Caleb Williams just fell off. I mean, flat. It's that Dr. Pepper curse, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, It's the new Madden curse. It's the don't – whoever's the spokesperson for Dr. Pepper next year just needs to sit it out. But I think that hindered him. It's almost like when um, Felix Jones and and, um, Darren McFadden, you know, back in those days when you're splitting stats, when it come to did that keep – Darren McFadden from getting Heisman votes because he was splitting the touches between him and Felix Jones and, mm-hmm. and, and Peyton Hillis. Same thing I think what happened with, with Penix Jr. is Caleb Williams' hype from the beginning to when he fell off, it was almost like he it was playing catch-up. And then you're playing in the Pac-12 where who really wants to see a game and watch him play at 11, 12, 1230, you know? Yeah. Yeah, you know, early on in the season, I think it was around week three or week four, I was sitting around with some buddies. I think it was when we were watching the, I guess it may have been further on, when we were watching the Arkansas-LSU game, and we were just talking about Jaden Daniels and then some of the other potential Heisman. And, I mean, my my pick was Penix. Yeah. Um, since early on in the season, he just has something about him that I don't really see in other quarterbacks, you know, the way he commands the field um, and just his natural ability. And I think that throughout the season, and then especially after, you know, Jaden Daniels um, winning the Heisman, I think Penix, now that he is on this stage in the CFP and now the national championship, um, he's going out to prove who the best quarterback is. Yeah. And and I've seen that. I got to witness that with Deshaun Watson. You know, he beat mm -hmm. Lamar Jackson head-to-head. I know it was on an errant. If the quarter, or the wide receiver wouldn't have ran out of bounds, they probably would have scored and beat him. But a win's a win. And then he ended up winning mm-hmm. the national championship that year. I see mm-hmm. this kind of starting to happen. But also, you know, Penix is 
very he's got a chip on his shoulder, but he's humble about it. And I think that's mm-hmm. the biggest thing is he's poised. And I think when he wins, I, I do think they'll beat Michigan next Monday. I think he's still going to be humble about it. But he's going to show the naysayers that, uh, you know, yeah. <laughs> that uh, they, they should have picked him over, over Jaden Daniels. But it still doesn't take anything away from Jaden Daniels because, I mean, he did put up some impressive numbers. He was, mm-hmm. again, like you want to bring up – Darren McFadden. I mean, it was a, a nine and three season, and for them, and I guess did, did, was the win over Wisconsin ten win season. Does that did that put them at the ten yeah. win ten win season? Yeah, at so that point, yeah, you know, still a, a good win for them. But I just think that we need to kind of move that back, and especially with the twelve team playoff, you're going to have mm-hmm. more key games for these people to play in and the fact that we're probably going to see less opt-outs. We're going to see more uh, star players playing in this. I can't wait for it. If this was any kind of indication of what a 12-team playoff is going to be, I can't wait to see what next year year brings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with, you know, going to the bowl season, going into the college football playoff, I mean, I think expanding the playoff into other bowl games um, – that's going to help with your your opt outs because more teams are going to have players that have something to play for now outside of the CFP. Who knows until the NCAA comes down and makes changes to the opt out or you know with the way NIL is right now. I mean I don't see why they can't work something to where the sponsors of particular bowl games um, have some NIL package for the players that play in the game just to give them more incentive mm-hmm. than just a trophy and media recognition. Well, yeah, because if you watch the LSU game, they were running mm-hmm. a Jaden Daniels commercial. I think it was a Powerade commercial. He's mm-hmm. sitting on the sideline in the LSU-Wisconsin game, not playing. Mm-hmm. But And that's where it, it, yeah, it does get touchy when you even talk about the subject of should they play, should they not. But to me, it's like you're being paid to play. It's mm-hmm. kind of, I mean, yes, Jaden Daniels has nothing to prove, blah, 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 but you're still playing for your team. You're still representing that team, and you're still and, – and now if you even want to kind of dare say it, that's your company. You're playing for LSU. Yes, you're not being paid by – it's almost like you're an independent contractor for LSU. You're, you're not getting paid by LSU, but yet you're playing for them. Mm-hmm. But you're getting paid NIL money – your commercials being ran on a game that you're not playing in. It, it's just, to me, it's like, we'll see how this 12-team playoff goes because that's going to drive ratings, of course. But it, to me, mm-hmm. it's like if this becomes a more normal thing where if it's not the big games, how, how much longer until these big sponsors start dipping out mm-hmm. because they're not playing? Um, the TV ratings go down. It, it's that that's my biggest thing is is it going to affect eventually start affecting where yes we've seen the a lot of majority of fans that don't agree with the opt outs and stuff which they have the right to do but it comes a point of if you're being paid to play a season of football i think that you have to you should honor that contract and especially like i said with Jaden Daniels's deal you're sitting on the sideline in uniform, but yet we're watching a commercial that you're getting paid 
to be in. That that's the only th- mm-hmm. thing that really didn't sit right with me during the whole thing is seeing that. Like you're able to play. There's a commercial. You're being paid for, but you're not on the field playing. Yeah, and I think some of that's that touchy subject, the uh, kind of not really gray area, really, because it's not. But you know, with the NIL, um, you know, it's not based on how many games you play, based on performance. Yeah. You know, it can't be tied to. They've just they've got to figure out something, and even if it's not directly driven with the the NILs, I mean, I, I just don't understand. Which I know the opt outs really kind of started back around 2017 with Christian McCaffrey and Stanford. Um, And then you saw, you've just seen it progress since then. And, you know, I I think a lot of it, it, it's no, it's, it's more about the me than it is the team. Um, In some aspects these days, it's players that, um, you know, they're, which, you know, we're going to like now with playoffs, they don't have necessarily bowl season used to mean a lot more than it does now. Yeah. So, you know, before it was, you you know, you want those six wins to get your bowl berth. You play because you're going to play somebody you hadn't played. You got the storylines. Um, and then it's just dwindled year by year. And I think some of that at one point in time was because they were adding so many bowl games. Oh, yeah. When we were, when we were up to like 65, 70 different bowl games and they were having to scrap. Five and seven to teams in. to get into a yeah. bowl game. And so now they've created the storm between that. And then now you've got players that are like, eh. I don't feel like playing. I've got my future. You know, I, it's it's hard to watch um, some of these players that I, I think I was more shocked by the players that announced transferring that were still on the sidelines of some of these bowl games. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, you, you are going to go, you know, you're basically opting out and going to another school, but mm-hmm. you're there receiving the swag bag or you're there receiving – you're there getting the perks – Mm-hmm. But then again, it's almost like, hey, I'm going to go somewhere. It's just like a two-week notice. <laughs> it's like, yeah. you know, it, it's, it is touchy. And, and look, people can make their decisions. They can do as they wish. And I was an advocate of the opt-outs. I was an advocate of, and, and still am. But to me, yet, there's still consequences and there's still reactions to that of, now they're getting paid. Now they're getting mm-hmm. money to play you know, they've wanted to get paid, want to get paid. We need to get paid, rightfully so. I, I, I've said all along, as soon as the NCAA made it a business, they should deserve to get money. Now they're getting that money, mm-hmm. and if you're in some kind of agreement, I, that's another thing I think that if they're going to start giving out these big, lucrative NIL deals, it's going to be, hey, look, you got to finish out the season because, again, if you're a big bank or you're a big-time person, say Dr. Pepper or Powerade, mm-hmm throwing out this money to see this person in this ball game and they're not there. I don't, I don't know that again, it goes back to the point of when are they going to start not giving out the bigger deals? When is it going to be like a bunch of smaller localized deals opposed to people getting the big million dollar contracts? Yeah. You know, I don't think the, the NCAA really knew. Um, of course, none of us really knew what the NIL and things like that were going to cause in the beginning when it was announced. But, you know, Nick Saban last night also after uh, the post game, they were talking about, I think it was after the game, um, the pay for play. And, you know, this is basically one step away from um, the NCAA becoming a semi pro uh, with is. the way that it's going. Oh, yeah. And it is because, again, it, you, you have, it's almost like chemistry. You have two mm-hmm. elements by themselves that are very good. 
transfer portal over here, NIL over here. But when you mix them up, now mm-hmm. it's it, it turns into a toxic combination because now donors and boosters and you've got schools that are making Arkansas with the edge. And, you know, there's even – I, I want to say was it Ole Miss where – if you were at a restaurant and they asked you if you wanted to round up your change to go to mm-hmm. their fund, you know, now it, it's getting to the point where you're at Sonic instead of tipping the car hop, you're tipping the NIL fund. You know, it, it's almost like the, the, the athletic programs, and I can't remember who tweeted it out, but it was very, very good tweet. It was, we want to have a tax – free program for our players, but we want the fans to help pay for this tax-free. We want taxpayers to pay for our tax deductions. It was mm-hmm. somewhere along the lines of that. And, that. and that's what it is because taxpayers, fans, donors, they're they're paying into this to people who are going to get a tax break off of this. The, the, mm-hmm. It's LLC. It's a, you know, so. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. It's just funny to where how, like you said, how crazy it's gotten where, I mean, I don't know. I didn't even think, I thought the coaches and administration, I thought they had to kind of stay out of it. Like, mm-hmm. I didn't even think they could be involved in this stuff. But when and you that's got the way hit, that it's been led to believe, like coaches were not, that's, it was not allowed to be in a recruiting tactic. Coaches weren't allowed to talk to players about it coming in, whatever. But you see too often, so-and-so got offered an X amount of dollars to come here. It's like, obviously, you know. Well, when you have ADs coming out Mm -hmm. making campaigns, you've got coaches coming out doing campaigns. Mm -hmm. That's where, again, it gets to where it's going to be dicey. It's already dicey. And it's, I don't think it will ruin college football because college football will always be great because, I mean, it's like NFL. I mean, you can do what you want. People are still going to watch the NFL. It's all about preference. I don't think mm-hmm. it will kill uh, college football because now with the 12-team playoff, we're going to see a lot more teams that are able to – we have a reason to play now. We have a goal to obtain in 12 teams instead of four. Now where a team, say like Florida State, look, they went undefeated and, and lost their quarterback and didn't get a chance to play in the, the college football playoff. Now – that same situation happens with it being 12 teams. Hey, we're going to put you at eight, nine, or 10. Prove mm-hmm. that you deserved, and they at least they have a chance to to play for it. I think that's going to be the biggest difference. We'll see. Yeah, I think moving to the 12, uh, which, you know, I know a lot of people, and I've even thought of myself that, the, you know, the SEC being down this year across the board. Um, but, you know, opening up to 12 games, you know, I think you're looking at a potential – just based on looking at like say this year's SEC or SEC standings and um, where they were against the country, um, you know, you, I think out of twelve, you could be looking at potentially four or five of those teams mm-hmm. out of the twelve being SEC. Four at the minimum. Uh, just mm-hmm. just how the landscape is. I mean, because look, you're already adding 
It just, just I, I can't pull up the rankings or nothing right now. But I mean, you're looking at Georgia, mm-hmm. Alabama, LSU, Missouri, Ole Miss, Ole Miss, and then Texas. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm trying to. Am I missing anybody else, or is that it? I'm just talking about like top twelve teams because I mean, no, I'd, I'd say yeah. Coming going into twenty four with Texas coming, in, yeah, that's that's what you're looking. I'm at. I'm looking at how okay. they finished this yeah. year. If there'd have been twelve teams playoff this I year, think, I think Tennessee's like sitting at fifteen. So you're looking at four easy, mm-hmm. and that's oh, yeah. especially with how the Big Ten's doing. ACC, if especially if Florida State leaves, that's just one more spot for a Big Ten or a. Um, SEC team mm-hmm. because the Pac-12 is dissolving. Big Ten, it's going to be pretty much Big Ten, SEC, and then, hey, we're going to, you know, kind of like what they did with Liberty this year, they're going to give an extra spot to some Power 5 team. You know, it's going to mm-hmm. be one of those types of deals because Big Big Ten, and I don't know if it's going to be the Big 16 now or whatever how, whatever they're going to go to, but it that's going to be interesting to see. <clears throat> you imagine – <clears throat> three lost team playing for a national championship. But we could see that because with yeah. how – look at the landscape of the SEC and, and no divisions. Mm-hmm. An SEC team could lose three games and still make it to the college football playoff and then win it. I mean, that, look at Alabama. Mm-hmm. I mean, Alabama needed a prayer to beat Auburn to get into it, but they went toe-to-toe with Michigan, you mm-hmm. know, you give Nick Saban thirty days to prepare for any team. That that's was my deciding factor. Is they've ne- I mean, other than Ohio State, they've never lost in a semifinal game. It's always been in a national championship game. Out of all the changes, I think that we've seen over the last couple of years, um, this year, what's coming next year, I think we're looking. Uh, college football is going to look completely different in the next five to ten years. With you know, we'll still see some reminiscence of this, of what's going on right now and the recent past, but uh, the landscape of the whole thing um, with conferences, with college football playoff, with players getting paid, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, it's going to be a night and day difference. Well, we'll end it on this question. I'll ask you: Where, what, what do you think the NCAA will be five years from now? Do you think there will be an NCAA? Do you think, I mean, is this headed to where it could be two or three super conferences and they just split away from the football side of it? They split away from the NCAA. Um, I think you're looking at maybe not five, but upward between that five and ten-year mark, you're going to see three to four super conferences um, with the SEC leading the way. Um, that they are going to set their own rules and break apart from the NCAA. Mm-hmm. And then, so essentially, I think you're going to have, um, we'll say, their championship. And then the NCAA is still going to have their own with essentially your group of five or other, you know, the conferences that don't get in. Yeah, and you look at the NFL, how it became the NFL. You know, there was mm-hmm. two different leagues that who's the best. So they mm-hmm. decided to have this Super Bowl. And I think that's where we're headed. I think that's where we're headed to where it's going to be two leagues, the, the the superiority, whatever. It's almost going to be like you got your FCS teams, then you're going to have the other level team, and then I think there's going to be that, that gauntlet, those 30-something teams or whatever that are going to be its own league 
mm-hmm. and they're going to have their own division. They're going to have their own money because when it comes to it, there's more money to be made. Then they're going to be able to fund the basketballs and, and the softballs mm-hmm. and the volleyballs. And I think that's where we're headed to. We're, we're headed exactly like what you said beforehand with a semi-pro. It's going to essentially be a semi-pro team because you look at it, the SEC is already like that with Georgia. Mm-hmm. And I'm not picking on Florida State at all, but they were playing the th- a quarter and a half with an all-freshman offense and was scoring at will. Mm-hmm. And I don't care who was opting out, who wasn't there. That was a freshman running back, freshman tight ends, freshman run- wide receivers, offensive. I mean, the whole squad was pretty much freshmen, and they were just imposing their will. And that is the difference between the Georgias, the Alabamas, and the Michigans and the rest of the country. Mm-hmm. You see it. <clears throat> but tomorrow night, we're, we're going to have uh, Next Up Sports, uh, one of the premier up-and-coming high school Arkansas content creators. Um, you can catch them on Instagram. I mean, they've come out with a lot of amazing high school videos. They do Arkansas coverage. I think they covered their first uh Little Rock game, basketball game the other night, but we're going to have them on tomorrow night. So we're going to be more geared towards basketball on tomorrow's show. We're going to get back in the swing of things, doing two to three shows a week with basketball really ramping up, SEC play, women's. So expect a lot more content. We kind of been slacking for the last couple of weeks, but, you know, we wanted to take some time off to be with our families and just how – you know, Christmas and New Year's fell on a Monday. It was, you know, New Year's Eve and Christmas Eve to do a show. And so we're going to come back full force, ready to go. Expect more content, more graphics, more pictures, more posts. Adam is always killing it with new ideas to bring Arkansas content to social media. So we're really looking forward to that. Having the guys on. Also, we have two new sponsors to the Hog Talk podcast. Arkansas Tech University, Ozark Campus, and the Ar- Ozark A&P Commission. Pretty much the Ozark, um, the city of Ozark, my hometown, is um, allowing me to, I mean, great honor being able to talk about the town you grew up in and advertise for tourists to visit the area with the wineries and the breweries and the river, the mountains, everything that goes along with being able to explore the Ozarks, where I'm from, where Adam's from. So I'm very honored to be able to announce that we will be advertising and a sponsor for the city of Ozark and Arkansas Tech University Ozark campus. So moving forward, you're going to see a lot of posts about, you know, schedule events, uh, programs that Arkansas Tech University uh, offers there at the campus. So we're, we're very happy to have them on board and Be looking forward to all that content, and we will catch you tomorrow night. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.